Sun Mead is a dentist with too much time on his hands and too much recording equipment in his basement. Armed with an obsession to bring entertaining and informative content to the dental world in a way that's never been done before, I give you the Alan Mead Experience. Well, hello and welcome to the Alan Mead Experience. Um, my name is Alan Mead. I'm a dentist, podcaster, and uh, Midwest traveler today. Um, before I introduce my co-host, I'm going to just say thank you to Premier Dental. Inspired Solutions for Daily Dentistry, they're the ones who bring uh, this and every episode of the Alan Mead Experience to you. And with me today, live in quote-unquote studio, is uh, my friend Dr. Bart Schultz. Bart, how are you doing? Very well. Thanks again for having us, uh, or having me. Yeah, well, thank you for having me, because I am in your state right now. We are sitting in a tiny little conference room uh, on the 3M campus in just outside of St. Paul, Minnesota. You say it's Oakdale, is that right? I think this is actually Maplewood. Maplewood, okay. So it's it's a it's a suburb of St. Paul, and it's like this gigantic, sprawling campus of buildings with 3M signs all over the place. And uh, I, I'm here to, to interview some people from 3M about impression stuff. But uh, we got here early, and uh, I thought we would talk about what we've been up to and such. And uh, so what happened was, long story short, I have a patient that Bart and I worked on last year at this time, last November. Um, Bart did a block graft, uh, lower right, uh, missing, uh, missing all molars on the lower right, and just didn't have enough height uh, for implants. So he, we, I flew her over here and watched Bart do a block graft on her last year. And so this year I'm like, okay, I'm going to just have you do the implants too. So that's what we did. We flew, we flew her back over here. And uh, Bart does a lot of implants. That's one of the things that I know we've talked about. But uh, watching D- dental, yeah, dental, dental implants. implants. Yeah. So far, I mean, like, I mean, you have a skill set that could, you know, could spread wider. I'm sure. I, I mean, you could do some soft tissue. I'm sure. Some. Uh, I I enjoy the surgical aspect of dentistry. Um, it, it, it's a. Uh, It'd be nice to sometimes just do the surgical aspect and uh, refer the restart of well, components. Well, that's, that's what out. I was. That's what I, okay. So I was watching Bart, and first off, you, anyone who's listening to this podcast knows that I, I, I'm not a huge. I don't like to cut people's faces open. I don't like to suture people up. I like extractions when they're easy, and I look like a hero. I don't like them when I get my butt handed to me, and I just, I'm just not super comfortable with surgery. In in. There's a part of me that feels like, in the same way that when I had, I lost a bunch of weight 100 years ago, and I felt like skinny people should run. That's what they should do. Skinny, you know, people who are skinny run. And so I started running a lot, and I, and I, sort, of, I sort of acted as if, and I actually was for a while when I lost that weight, I was running. And I feel like dentists should be comfortable with surgery. And I, I feel inadequate for the fact that as much as as much CEs I've taken on it as much I just I've not ever gotten there. I'm convinced that it has to do with reps, but I'm I'm just curious. How did you know that surgery was like was like something you were into? Did you know in dental school, like when you did your oral surgery rotation, how did you know? So, uh, Doctor Day was one of our main instructors at the U of M. Yeah, um, and, and I thought he was a, a fantastic instructor. He was. He was really good. He made you feel. Uh, confident that would be dr mitchell day yeah if anyone's googling he liked to say finesse panache elan yeah were the words uh he would would kind of instill in you of removing the tooth which was you know a delicate you know uh intricate procedure that just uh required not effort and in uh in force but knowing where to push yeah um 
I enjoyed it there. I, I took out a lot of teeth when I was practicing in Wisconsin, and then I... Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit about where you started out practicing after dental school. I went back to my hometown in Ladysmith, Wisconsin, uh, uh, where I grew up in, uh, and worked for uh, the dental clinic that was uh, my dentist uh, when I was young. And uh, actually, my father's, uh, one of his best friends was the owner of the practice. And my plan was to buy that practice out. And um, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, uh, is from St. Paul, and she was probably uninterested in moving to a Lady small Lady Smith is, Lady small Smith is about, about two hours out of the Twin Cities, right? Yeah, it's about, about 3,000 people. Yeah. Um, kind of famous for that tornado back when... A couple of years ago. By well, it was, I think it was right after dental school, if I remember correctly. Close uh, to it. Yeah. I think it you were already here? 2005, I okay. think it was. Okay, okay. So it was... Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, famous for the Northland Mardi Gras. There you yeah, go. So a uh, big uh, carnival in the summer. But, okay. Okay. Uh, not so famous, but uh, uh, that's uh, where I started practicing. And then uh, I think after a year there, maybe a year and a half, I started to work in Ladysmith and in, in uh, the Oakdale Stillwater for a dentist and and uh, did a fair amount of extractions um, and had some hiccups, uh, some struggles, uh, but... Uh, I continued on. And was it was it out of necessity that you did a lot of surgery and extractions in Ladysmith because that's just what they did, or is it, I, or I th- did you find yourself drawn to it because you just like it? I I think so, but I also think that, like you you said, is is that I think dentists should take out teeth. Mm-hmm. I think patients don't want to be referred, um, but I also think it's okay to refer someone, and you should do what brings you joy. Mm-hmm. And if uh, you don't like extracting teeth, or you're not interested in uh, endodontics. And you don't feel great about the the outcomes, yeah. Refer those things out. I, I think there's there's nothing wrong with that. It's, I mean, basically, you you just said two things that are completely at odds with each other. They are. The dentist should take out teeth, but you should do stuff that causes you joy. Tell uh, me more about well, that. Well, I think we, we get we get believe we, we we're forced to believe that a dentist should do these things. Mm-hmm. I think it's okay for us as dentists. We don't do this, but I think we should. We should say no. Mm-hmm. No, I won't do this for you. Mm-hmm. No, I won't take a tooth out. No, I won't give you a denture. We control the the dentistry we provide. Now, sometimes we have a house payment and yeah. rent payment and practice payment. Well, and, and that's a whole other story. If you're if you're choosing to do dentistry that's beyond what you're comfortable with because of financial reasons, you got to get out of where you are because that's that's not you can't that's that's no good. But um, how how does a young dentist with four hundred thousand dollars a student a how do they question. how do they get out of that? That's a great question. And how does a dentist that's not running their own show? Uh, who's working for someone who has an office manager that tells them what they're going to do, how do they say, no, I'm not comfortable with this? I don't know. That's a good question, honestly. I'm not sure how that works. I mean, uh, um, so I think you should do in life things that bring you joy. I mean, if you really want to be a a pilot and to be a golfer and be a snowboarder, I mean, you do all those things, they bring you joy, but also there's a limitation. So if we looked in our professional aspect, if uh, you don't really like taking teeth out, you your your alternatives is take more training so that you can maybe get more comfortable. Yeah. Um and and I know you and I have done that. Um we've attended some uh well, you you've attended course. way you've attended way more CE on surgery than I have. But what's funny is like it's easy to say that. And I've taken a lot and and I still haven't gotten comfortable. So the question is am I just in my brain hung up that surgery is not something I, I ever want to do? Or is it that I just haven't had enough reps yet? Like I haven't gotten to the point where it was routine. Because there was probably a time where I was pretty tense about uh, a class two amalgam in dental school because I hadn't done very many of them. You know what I'm saying? 
Like I just I can't decide if it's just lack of reps or what. Well, okay, so so I think it's yes and yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's it's in your mind and it's maybe reps. I know for for a few years or for a while you didn't like to do endo. Mm-hmm. You're the only general dentist or one of the few using a microscope to mm-hmm. do. I still general don't like dentistry. doing endo. <laughs> yeah, but I but I've seen a bunch of your endos that you've done and you do it more than you used to. So obviously it's it's reps and let's face it. I don't know that you need a microscope to do uh, endodontics, but certainly. You're able if to you see do, a lot of things. If you do do endo without a microscope, it makes you a bad person. That's pretty much it. <laughs> For so sure. I, just, I mean, I just want to get yeah, that sure, out there. Sure. <laughs> do you remember in the 80s when they had the commercials with the Pepsi Challenge where the person would take a blinded test as to whether they preferred Pepsi or Coke? And it was always Pepsi that they chose, right? So... I've been thinking about this. Um, I want to start doing the PerioWise Challenge. You're thinking, what? PerioWise Challenge? Yes, Premier Dental Products has created a periodontal probe that is sincerely a cut above whatever probe you're using. I know you're thinking, what is it, a probe? It's a metal stick with markers on it, right? What are you talking about? PerioWise is a plastic periodontal probe. Uh, you can use it. There's so many features about it. I have to tell you, it's, I, I like it been using these for years now but more importantly i thought to myself i think when patients tell me that it's more comfortable i'm sort of taking them at their word so i did it i did kind of a pepsi challenge kind of thing and i had my hygienist probe me with one and then like the regular and then the perio wise uh she didn't tell me which was which and i picked out the perio wise being more comfortable every single time how crazy is that right so that's science, people. That's what we just did there, a little bit of science. And PerioWise is a much more comfortable probe to use. Now, you just need to go and order one and do the PerioWise challenge for yourself. You won't believe the results. Very cool stuff. There's a ton of reasons to use this probe, but the comfort is probably the most important one. So give it a try. Premier Dental Products, inspired solutions for daily dentistry. Any yeah, so so I think I think it helps. There's there's opportunities to see things with with magnification. But arguably, arguably, that when you're instrumenting a canal, you're not seeing that. It's I mean I know what you're talking about. It, it, there's a lot of places where a microscope is super helpful, and a lot of places where it's you can do endo through a microscope, but you're not you're not seeing you can't see the canal as the the file spins down there. And like that. So you 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 brought your patient over to the, the Twin Cities today, and we placed a couple implants for her. Uh, and I was hopeful you would assist me. Yeah, uh, I didn't do that. You at were all. you were uninterested. Yeah, I didn't uh, have loops for one thing, so I wasn't going to be able to see anything. But the other thing is, I don't assist. Like I don't know how to assist. Talk about shit, I'd be easier. It'd be easier for me to place the implants than assist. <laughs> like you, I mean, you actually assist because you and Rick will do surgery sometime where you guys assist each other. So you've had some practice. But I mean, I am a miserable assistant. The yeah, few times I've had to do it, I don't even know what I'm doing. I would have been able to see better yeah. if I were standing. I think, there, so, right? yeah, I think sometimes that th- that's helpful uh, to to do that. But again, if it doesn't bring you joy, uh, and you and you're uninterested, I I believe that you could get there through reps. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then my question is, and more and more brown typodonts in Puerto Rico. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> a freaking horrible deal. I mean, like the reps, the reps for fillings. Arguably, when you do that on when you do that on a typodont. It's it's the same thing. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but I don't. I feel like that is a very direct uh, application of what you're learning. I mean, if you get practice on a typodont, you're going to probably be able to do it on, on a human being. Whereas, honestly, 
There's nothing like putting an implant in or taking a tooth out on a real person. So the complexity is placing the implant is just one surgical component of a restorative discipline. Yes, yes. And the and the challenge is is that fine, the implants in, the sutures are done, patients done, you never see that patient again. The complications never happen then. Yeah. Even if you create a dihiscence and strip the buckle plate and you graft some bone around there, well, as far as you know, that patient has healed and yeah. who cares? Perfect. I'm done. Check. Yep. (laughs) The the challenge is, did you get the implant in straight? Uh, Can you put an abutment in it? Uh, Is there an incision line opening? Is there a a problem with uh, integration? All these complications, which are just complications that happen, they arise at a later date. I felt as uh, when I attended MISH several times, they should have wrote some type of federal grant. And uh, and done the because they had a surgical component and a restorative uh, mm-hmm. course mm-hmm. they could have placed thousands of implants for Detroit certainly is yeah I mean like they, got it, poor it was, people it who was, need it implants was, yeah it, there and were then, people and who then, need teeth yeah and then you take the restorative course and you restore the implants yeah there's where you really get your reps is that you see okay here is the complication we've got now a thread exposed in this implant do we polish those threads away uh, do and we try and graft do you, do you try, try to graft do we take the implant out what what is those risks and so much of that can happen in dentistry and no one's teaching that no one's teaching those complications and truthfully dentists and oral surgeons aren't really addressing that stuff either right so uh if you if you say that you don't have that well, then you either don't place implants uh, or, no, or, I, I, or or you or you or you're lying or you don't know what you don't even know what you're looking at yeah. that's probably maybe more com- like <laughs> we're, we're we're you know we're such perfectionists uh and we're not really perfect but we, yeah. we think we are. Yeah. We like to criticize our colleagues about things that the reality is things just don't work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, patient healing factors, uh, diabetes, lots of lots of things come into play. Um, in the medical model, rarely do, do surgeons and physicians criticize each other about things that didn't work out the way they, they wanted it to, 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 to do. In do, dentistry, you think, do you think surgical skill sets are more uniform in medicine than in dentistry? I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, because because they're working within a hospital, and so lots of surgeons are seeing other surgeons and stuff. Whereas, like, okay, so I saw your surgical sk- skill set today, but I don't, you know, I, I see we have a, a a Facebook group of you know nineteen thousand people, probably at least ten thousand of them are dentists. I don't know what kind of work they do. I don't know what kind of skill set they have. All that. Whereas, because physicians and specifically surgeons oftentimes work together in the in the same place, I wonder if their skill sets are more uniform because they're they're kind of working with each other and seeing stuff. Frankly, who who like puts the screws in your leg depends on. Uh, what time of day you broke your leg? You know, you were in the car accident in a lot of cases because yeah, yeah. it's the surgeon on duty, right? But I mean, remember, no one sees those screws. No one sees the ingulation. Yeah. No one really looks at the outcome. In dentistry, it's a little different. Is is that the you know? I mean, I, maybe a better uh, analogy would be a plastic surgeon, mm-hmm. um, as far as outcomes that are visible. Mm-hmm. Um, where is the position of the nose? What what did it look like when it was done? You mm-hmm. know, was the facelift or? Uh, so I, 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 I don't. But interesting, plastic surgeons generally don't work in hospitals. There are a lot, a lot of plastic surgeons are more. They, they have a, they have a business model more like a dental office, mm-hmm. where it's where they're sort of, you know, sometimes they will work in an OR. But let's be honest, a lot of them are surgical centers themselves, and mm-hmm. maybe it's because of the fact that they don't want to deal with the politics of it. I do wonder about that. I really do. I'm like, are all clearly all dentists don't have the same level of skill. Some people are 
just naturally really good at this stuff. Some people take a lot more continuing education. I have no idea about the uniformity and yeah. like a surgeon, like a regular surgeon's setup. We we all do at times in our day and our career have really good outcomes of things. Um, boy, I, I I I like to say my staff hears me say this all the time. As things are going really well with a patient, whether it's some fillings or an implant, I'll, I'll say, ah, you know what I should be? And the patient goes, what? And I say, I should be a dentist. <laughs> and, and when I say that, he goes, wow, that restoration looks really nice. Yeah, yeah. The contours are where I wanted them to be. But there are also days that are things that ah, boy, it just didn't turn out the way I wanted No, I know. I know. And I don't know that that's me or, or, our, or our career. I think the fact is is that sometimes a roofing job and sometimes landscaping doesn't turn out either. It's just the fact of... It's hard, though, too, because in a lot of cases... Okay, so sometimes when things don't work out, um, classic example, a patient... Uh, I put in a class two filling on a patient. Uh, tooth was rotated and it was a big space. I was reaching, right? Like I was reaching for contact. The contact was not even anatomic. I was reaching so far. Thing broke. So I brought her and I tried it again. And I, and I remember, literally, this is great. This happened just two days ago. The second time I did it, I looked at her in the recall and said, oh, I, I, can, I can bulk that. The second time I did it, I'm like, oh, shit, I remember this one. This is a nightmare. Like, I, like literally, I, I mean, like, I didn't look at when it was broken as to why it was broken. It's broken because I'm reaching for a contact. You're, vi- I, you're I, violating exactly, some Exactly, exactly. And it was a friggin' nightmare to get it the second time. And I, and I told her as much. I said, you know what? There might be a reason that we're, that I'm really struggling with this. And, and there might be a reason it broke the first time. So, I, you know, I sort of warned her for it. But, but let's be honest. I mean, okay, that's even, a, that's a even, patient even a, even a porcelain inlay might break, too. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. God, I hope not, because that's <laughs> that's probably my next move. But and, I mean, my thing is that okay. So that in that sense, it was her problem, or it was her tooth rotation that made it difficult. But and frankly, your it was partly selection. me because of the case selection. Exactly, I tried to do this twice with the wrong material. We are frequently in our profession trying to compromise for patients for a cheaper investment well, in, for, in a, for case, the same outcome. In this case. <laughs> I wish I could claim that I was trying to do a saver. I just didn't. Re- I just yeah. wasn't thinking. You know, it was one of those things where I saw in passing on a recall, and only after I struggled with it for forty minutes, going, "I kind of remember this. This was hard the first time too." You well, know? if we make things, but if we kind of go through what we do in our general life, if we are trying to make things better, you and I have talked about this a lot. About you know, dentistry isn't forever. I mean, it it probably lasts longer than anything else in our uh, life. Well, and patients have a really unrealistic expectation of how I, long. I mean, it should and last. the orthopedic surgeon has the the hip and knee replacement person trained to know it's ten years, and if it even hurts in two years, well, that's just that's just normal. Mm-hmm. By the way, the the average salary of an orthopedic surgeon in the metro area is seven hundred eighty six thousand dollars. <laughs> it's a quality of life issue. They do mm-hmm. a lot of hips and knees that. Mm-hmm. Four decades ago, people got a wheelchair or a walker. Right, right, right. Um, we we expect a lot of our dentistry, and I think it 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 lasts a long time. But the 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 reality is is that if we can take a situation and maybe make it better for some time, mm-hmm. inform the patient of that. Is that not a, a a good a good opportunity or a good choice the patient could make? And that is that's it's an interesting concept because I think a lot of times, and I think dental school did this. We look at the problems that we're we're treating as we are fixing the problem. When in reality, sometimes sometimes what we're offering is well, this is better, but but it still is. You know, uh, I don't know because because like I I think dental school taught us to believe that everything should last forever too in some ways. So right? I, I went down to Spear and took the 
the lecture course on uh, treating the terminal dentition. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they really talked a lot about all in four uh, implant cases and the limitations and the expectations set up with the patients. Uh, and uh, one of the, the lecturers said, uh, I'm not giving you teeth back. I'm giving you a replacement. I'm not giving you teeth replacement. I'm giving you a replacement for your toothlessness. Mm-hmm. And it is not your teeth. There's compromises with it. Uh, you can eat things, but there are some things that you won't be as happy about. You know, you get food underneath there. We have we have a we have someone that comes on the Dental Hacks podcast a lot. She's been on the show, Dawn Kulingowski, and she always says that is, you know, like in other words, your point being that dentures aren't a, aren't a replacement for teeth. Well, they're, even implants aren't a replacement for teeth. They're a replacement for no teeth, and she's like, that's smug. Patients patients think you're playing a game with words when you say that. What do you say to that? I mean, I kind of get that too. Cause well, you, know, you could, I, yeah, I would see where you'd believe that too. But the, but the reality is, is they think they're getting. So I have a, I have a patient who, who were having some implant issues, restorative implant issues. I, I rushed the lab to make a new temporary, <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, I wanted to insert that today. The lab wasn't going to get done until, until tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I was going to see her on Saturday. And Plus, I, we had to eat ramen. So we had to eat ramen. Yeah. I, I, so I text the patient, hey, if you couldn't leave, she lives in Michigan, you couldn't leave till Monday, would that be okay? And her response is, nope, I got to get the docs out. It's going to freeze. I'll see you in two weeks. Which is awesome, because in your mind, you thought she was going to be really upset. Yeah, well, but, but, the, but the reality is, I mean, she certainly understood I couldn't, couldn't fix this problem overnight um i thought she might expect that but i I don't know i mean we're good at what we do but implants i've done enough implants now i think when i did this 15 10 years ago i would have taken a bunch of teeth out and done implants and the reality is yeah i I think the outcome is when you nail it you nail it but a lot of the times there's this in between that it's okay Mm -hmm. Uh, implants get food trapped around them yep even uh, even well placed, even, even well placed, even done well. They with still good do. contours, there yep. are there are complications. Uh, contact spaces change with implants, yeah. so patients develop an open contact. Yep. Um, and that has nothing to do with you. That has to do mm. with jaw and bone movement and teeth sure, movement. Sure, sure. And so uh, th- those are things that you know you have to you have to deal with. So I don't think it's smug. I think the reality is I think the patients expecting. I think they think what we do sometimes is just well, you're just fixing my tooth, my fingernails. Yeah, I'm giving, yeah, I'm giving you back teeth. Yeah. And a denture looks nice, mm. done well, looks great. I don't know that patients eat well with that. Like, nope. I think it's probably hard. I I gag on an ibuprofen tablet. Yeah, I'd be puking my guts out if I had a denture. So, and some, and the other thing, some people you've seen them. They've had the, they have the same denture that that was delivered, you know, 37 years ago. Immediately, all those uh, pa- you know, it, it, and these people, these people do fine. They, yeah. The only thing they don't like is the fact that it's finally worn into dust. And then you try and make something for them, and and it's the worst mistake you've ever made because they can't tolerate it and all this stuff. That is like that's like so real. It happens all the time. I have a lady who right now where we did a situation like that for her sister. She came in and said, "I, I want what you did for my sister. I even want the same teeth shapes." So we got it lined up, and she goes, she brought her husband. She goes, "I, I don't like the way this looks." I said, "I think you look great." I like my old one. And by the way, she doesn't have a palate in this denture. She's ground it all away. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then she had someone else make one. That doesn't have a palate. And mine has a palate. And I said, uh, you need the palate. I, I can't make this work. That's why you need to consider some implants. And she said, well, I, I, I said, what's wrong with this one? The middle one. Well, I don't know. I go, well, why don't we just try to make that work? You don't need a new one. No, no, no. So she left. And the plan is she'd come back. We'd work on the. The most recent denture. Mm-hmm. She came back the next time. So no, I want the new one. 
I'll get used to the new one. I want the new one. And uh, I'm even more confused every time I visit with her <laughs> about what I'm doing for her. No, I know. I know. And actually, removable is is sort of famously that way because so much of, frankly, so much of removable is is people's ability to accommodate. And, and in, in a lot of ways, that's a mental thing. You know? I had a recently had another patient who has existing veneer crowns. They're 20 years old. I think there's some width issues. We can make some changes. And I said, we'll bring you in. We'll get some photos. We'll do a thorough examination. And then we'll talk about what we can do. And then if you're happy with the investment, we'll remove the restorations, make you some temporaries, modify those temporaries a few times if necessary. And she said, well, I want, I want what's going to look natural. And I said, well, what is that? She goes, well, you know, I want them to look natural. Oh, boy. And I said, you have to understand natural to me isn't natural to you. Mm-hmm. I can give you guidance, but you're going to have to make the decision mm-hmm. that this is right for you. I can't just, I think sometimes people want to be 20 mm-hmm. and they're 60. Mm-hmm. And, and no, no amount of modifying tooth, shape, shade, color, anything like that. Can change all yeah. that. Yeah. I'm, I mean... I don't. Uh, I want my knees to feel like they were when I was twenty. There's lots of things I'd like to have, and I'd like to be skinny, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Exactly, exactly. So this, uh, I guess, what's funny, we're going to have to go, and uh, I have to interview 3M people here in a second. But this was interesting because it still comes down to okay, if someone who wants to learn implants, who's maybe a a new grad or even a dental student or someone someone new and thinking about it. I mean, you took a lot of CE over a lot of years, and and I mean. What do you what do you say to them? What's what's your suggestion? I my thought process: if someone really wants to do implants, do it early, do the CE early so it can pay off. That's been my only. It's my a big only. investment. I, I will tell you is I went to Mish three, maybe maybe some of the weekends four times. Mish had a, I, I think Randy Resnick's running that now, and I believe they still have the same deal. Is when you go, you can you can get the the second time uh, and third time as half price. Hello there. Hi, Katie. I'm I'm Alan Mead. We'll be done in just a sec. We'll be out, okay? Perfect. Thank you. Okay, cool. Sorry. Hey, I guess that's our cue. So we, uh, we're we going to wrap it up, Bart. A good thought on that. And thank you again for joining me. Thanks for having me. Like crazy. If you have any questions or comments for me about this or any other of the Alan Mead Experience shows, email me at alan, A-L-A-N, at the alanmeadexperience.com. Uh, if you want to join the Facebook group, go uh, check out the Alan Mead Experience on Facebook. The code word is Premier. That's how you get in. And I'm not letting you in with the code word. So Premier. Check out VoicesOfDentistry.com for the upcoming conference in January. And we'll talk to you guys again real soon. Mm-hmm.